Just how he might wail. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Yes, yes, rise now ye white whale, show us your crooked jaw, show us your wrinkled brow, Nantucket, a whale as big as an island, and what an island it is, Nantucket Island 2016, wow, it's coming to a close, how are you, Nantucket, how's it going? And as this year finishes, Nantucket, the island is growing, it's changing, building, eroding, pushing capacity, supporting, challenging, evolving, developing, resisting, accepting, and hopefully for all of us, finding a little more love and respect for each and every one of us on this island, 30 miles out to sea. Change is never easy. I don't know. That's just what popped into my head. Sort of thinking about the year, folks. Since I started Inside the Whale two years ago, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many amazing people on this island. Wow. When I look back, uh, as I'm looking past through the year, I just think how lucky I am and how cool this thing is. Nantucket's first podcast. I'm your host, Doug Cody. Just want to get that out there. I really want to take this opportunity to thank every one of my guests for taking the time to come over and sit down and give this thing, this Inside the Whale, a chance. Because it really wouldn't exist (laughs) if it wasn't for you guys. And also, all of you that tune in and support the podcast I just want to say uh, a personal and sincere thank you. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoy producing it. Uh, It's here for all of us. And uh, just thinking about what this thing is and looking at where I've come from and where I want to go with this thing. And uh, if I had to be honest with myself, I don't feel like I've hit my stride with Inside the Whale, but uh, know that I'm working on this thing hard. All the technical components and all the things that come along with producing your own show, I can get better at it, and I'm still looking to uh, make this thing awesome and continue bringing in great guests that you guys enjoy and I enjoy. So I want you to stay along with me on this journey. There's still so much to discover, and uh, I hope you guys just continue to continue to grow with me in this podcast. That being said, folks, Nantucket, how are you doing? How does this podcast find you the final podcast of 2016 was your holiday filled with joy did you get that special present from santa did you was it under the tree i got my wife a brand new mountain bike yes that was her big gift snuck it in santa style late night middle of the night so when she woke up there was a big bike sitting by the tree Tell you what, it gave me great pleasure doing it. You know, and as I was, I was sneaking around, I couldn't help but think of my mom and dad going through the same process when all my brothers and I were kids. And now me, I'm in my second year as a parent. 
I'm finally starting to understand how to read the map. Well, maybe maybe I'm just looking at the map and starting to figure some things out, I guess. You know, what can I say? The holidays were great at Fort Todd Circle. I hope they were good for you guys, Nantucket. Uh, if you traveled, hope you had safe travels. We traveled the week before to avoid the holiday traffic situations, but uh, nonetheless managed to get caught in that uh, week, that day of crappy weather a few weeks back. I think it was like December 17th or something. Traveling back on the Mass Pike, white knuckling it. My first time with the family in hazardous conditions on the road. I got to tell you, my dad, my dad, my dad's stress was high. I'll leave it at that. But uh, it's just, it's sort of an unnerving situation when you're riding on the highway and you can barely see and those 18-wheelers are blowing by you. And then you see a couple accidents. One that stuck out, this one kid in a Toyota Corolla in the left-hand lane skidded out into the snowbank. So his ass was hanging out in the left lane, kind of just waiting to get hit. And then I, I, I had to take a deep breath. And I said, honey, we got to get off this road. I, I need, I need to collect myself. So we did, we pulled off in scenic Springfield mass, talked it over, collected my breath. I said, can we do this? Can we, can, why don't we just get a hotel room? She said, no, I think it's going to clear. I was able to catch my breath, hop back on the mass pike and slow and easy wins the race. We made it back nonetheless, but that was my first experience of traveling in crappy conditions with the family. Dad's stress Major dad stress was high, but we made it home safe. And now we're staring out, looking at the sea at 2017. So with that being said, folks, this is episode 44 of the podcast, the final episode of 2016. And I was trying to figure out how to end the year. You know, what, what should the episode be? What should we do? You know, last year I had Simon Shuri come over and we tried to do it again, but Simon had already left for the holidays. So we missed that. So I decided to give something new a try, do something different, something I'd thought about but never uh, actually had the chance to do. This whole week, I've been going back into the archives of Inside the Whale and listening to the episodes, and I've picked out a, a few sound bits from all the different episodes and kind of pushed them together. So it's a, sort of a retrospective of the year of the different guests, you know, from Holly Finnegan to uh, Nathaniel Philbrick to Randy Hudson. Floyd Kellogg, just to name a few, I had the one that you're going to hear, a really interesting story, the one I did on uh, addiction and recovery, a little snippet from that. Anyway, it's uh, a little retrospective, and uh, I'm just going to throw them together. I just sort of picked out the parts that I thought were interesting, and then we're just going to kind of let it roll, you know? And uh, some of you, if you're just tuning in for the first time, you, these might be uh, the first time that you're hearing this conversation. Maybe you'll go back and check out episode 43 or episode 42, and uh, find it interesting. But uh, I thought it would be poignant to end the year with sort of a wrap-up of some of the episodes. So let's uh, kick it off. We're going to go to, uh, let's see, see, this is, this is part of it. I had it all queued up. That's right. I forgot what episode Holly Finnegan was already. That was 42. So we're gonna, she's going to kick it off, and uh, we're just going to let it fly. Loose, take a listen, enjoy it. I think you're going to uh, have fun, and I'll, I'll, I'll chime in intermittently just to see how you guys are doing, all right? So let's get started. Uh, we'll start off with Holly Finnegan's episode, which was episode 42. 
Let's go to Holly talking about her starting off uh, Black Book for the first Bartender, time. Which is basically personal concierge. People would always say to me, like, you know, where'd you get your dress? Who's playing at the box tonight? Is this hotel kid friendly? Should we go to this beach kind of thing? And wanted to take all that and put it on an accessible website that everybody could kind of, you know, access when they can't pick up their Yesterday's Island or their End Magazine or their Inky. Um, and I grew up with social media, like, you know, it, as far as a professional goes. So Facebook launched when, in 2004 at my college is one of the first 300 colleges to get it um, at UNH so I saw it like for fun ish but then afterwards it like definitely as a business person it started to like resound with me that it was much more of a tool professionally if you used it correctly so you could really leverage the fact that you had X amount of friends or X amount of likes on your page so I started um, Black Book completely via social media and I've never paid for an ad for it in my life so I just use all my own tools um, where I'm at with it so like um, so basically in 2011 I was taking a walk with my then boyfriend up at my um, my mom's house in Vermont and I was like you know I should turn it into something else he's like why don't you make it more like a magazine like why don't you make it like more interactive and less bloggy and more telling people what to do so then I contacted my cousin who is a um, graphic designer and a uh, web developer and I was like will you help me like kind of create this website that like has never kind of like existed before and then you know you learn that you like I love my cousin and I still love my cousin but you don't like do work with family like yeah, that, that really but but he was amazing and he was like incredible and I was very grateful for what he did and my boyfriend Joey said, you know, like, you know, I need you to understand something, Holly. You cannot tell people about what you're doing right now. And I was like, why? He's like, because you can't, because somebody's going to copy it if you, like, tell them too much about what you're doing. It's like a really good idea and it was the best advice I got. So I stuck on it for like six months, completely quiet, like built up a little bit of a Facebook page started teaching myself about Twitter come May thanks to my friend Jason Bridges like added in this whole like how am I going to launch this and make it like cool and I launched it in the May of 2012 so I just finished my fifth year with it I think that um you know I think time will tell this is sort of year two last year it was really just to see if it was something I even wanted to do this year it's it's all it's been um sort of in the thick of it, just trying to sort everything out. Now that I do have more orders, like trying to balance my time and and get everything, you know, the way I want it. And uh, I, mean, it's good. Uh, I stress out about it a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, you know. Yeah, why is it? It's what you care about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that's a good you know, point. That's yeah. The reality. yeah. The main thing was the there was a community, the Haffenreffer family, the Linquist family, Emery family, um, were a few in the Langs and uh, th that uh, surfed the Madiket breaks. And there was the two distinct groups. There was the Madiket surfers, which were supposedly, allegedly, uh, the soul surfers. And then there was the hoodads, more the hot dog sort, that were based out of Cisco. Oh, so there was there was a sharks, friendly sharks rivalry, and uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of color there. Now I just want to interject, folks, and tell you about this next one. Uh, was my addiction and recovery episode? The uh, guest was anonymous, but uh, this one really stuck out in my mind. This is him talking about his first night in jail as a drug addict. Pretty heavy stuff. This was my first night in jail ever. I mean, um, I was in Connecticut at the Hartford, uh, it's called the Meadows, the Hartford uh, County Correctional. 
and there's this guy they called C.O. Disco. He was this old guy, but he talked to the correction officers too much. And a couple guys were in the back cube. It wasn't cells there. It was like cube cubicles where they had bunk beds, and they were smoking a joint. And he stood up and said, oh, do you smell that? Not even realizing that somebody could hear him, but you need to mind your own business. Correction officers were smoking a joint in in the back and uh there's a lot of drugs in prison you could use every day so the lights go down and um and you're just in the cell or you have a cellmate i'm in a cube so there was me and three other people in the cube and there's this little running joke they have because they say moment of silence so they the thing when they turn the lights off so everybody gets quiet and then people always yell moment of violence because if something's going to go down it's usually then so i'm sitting up and i'm on the top bunk totally new to this and i start looking down and I see people pulling masks over their faces and I'm looking and now they're looking in my direction. And now I'm not privy to this information that just went down with this, yeah, all you know is mar- you just, with this yeah. marijuana. And so I'm the new guy and I'm thinking, what is going on here? They're all looking directly towards my cube. There's three or four of them pulling masks, looking right at me. And I'm going, Oh my God, am I going to die? Like what's going on here? Um, but two seconds later, they disappeared off of their bunks and they came in flying into my cube and what they do is it's called a lock and a sock they take the lock off their lockers they'll tie a sock through it tie a knot on that as a handle and they came in and started whipping disco that was the guy's name with these locks i remember hearing it cracking on his skull this thing the blood was shooting you know a head wound you know gives up a lot of blood pulling my sheet up and it was just splattering everywhere and i remember thinking to myself like screaming yes screaming and I uh, screaming, help, the help, help, help. The guards would come down. Yeah. And it literally took about 15, 20 seconds for the, C- the CEOs to put the lights on. So this guy just sat there getting whooped with the locks. I mean, whipping them like whips and just smashing into him. What I do with each book is I work uh, months at the preface. Usually you write the preface at the end, but I begin with that. You know, and it's just a short it's my way in, and I, I, I try countless different approaches and, and eventually find, yes, this is the way in. It, it helps me thematically, but it's so much developing that voice, that, that what, how I want to phrase it. And each book is different. Each book has a different way in, and it, it always drives me crazy because it takes me so long to figure that way in. And mm-hmm. I, 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 have, I stop, start... I, I go back and forth, and um, and so it's you know I, I can it's 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 always in a way moving around it's it's a struggle and but well like I said that's part of the process and what the one thing all all the books I've written have helped me realize is that when it feels like it's I'm going nowhere it feels like you know come on why can't you figure this out that's part of it that's the most important part of it don't despair um, uh, you know work through it. Just keep working at it. And, and that's the hard thing for, I think, for, at least for me about being a writer, is how much you throw out and, uh, and how hard it really is. Um, and, and then once after all of these, these false starts, it starts rolling, it's great. I mean, there's nothing like it. It gets bogged down. Yeah, Why, get, you know, that's the, to me the, the, the frustrating part of being a politician. Yeah, but it's... Uh, because you have these ideas, right? But how do you get people to think the way you do? Well, well, you talk. You convince people that you take data, you take information, you show that your ideas are valid and that other people share ideas with you. You know, we're dealing with nitrogen because there is 
decades of data revealing that nitrogen has a negative impact on harbors. So that's why we're cleaning it up. What a lot of people don't really understand, though, is that what also is having a big impact is climate change. It's heating up our waters. It's changing the organic chemistry of the harbor and how that whole complex system works. Um, you know, we also do a lot of scallop dredging on the island. You know, there's about 40 boats that go out. And they, yeah, Pete Kaiser talked to me about that. Yeah, you know, so like, do those dredges have an impact? I think when the eelgrass was really healthy and great, they were awesome. You know, they mowed down the eelgrass, the eelgrass grows back. Well, now the harbor is already really stressed. It's under a lot of impacts. So like if you're a, if you're a really healthy plant and you get cut down, you can grow back. But if you're a weak plant and then you get cut down, are you going to be able to grow back year after year? So it's just what degrades ecosystems is a number of different factors all putting pressure on them. Right. Well, human beings, human we're, beings. we're taxing <laughs> the planet, you yeah, know? Yeah. But there was this number of years and still is of like kind of people of not knowing what was going to happen next. Cause the idea of the record industry, as we knew it for, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I think essentially since music could be sold on, um, could be sold on a record piece of vinyl was changing, you know? So, uh, now with the age of the internet, it's easier to make music and, easier to put up there for everyone to see. So a lot more people can do it. You and I could take your computer this afternoon and go record a song and have it on the internet by the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And makes, I don't know, make some ridiculous video with finger puppets and maybe someone's like, Oh my God, that's incredible. And they share it around. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> why? The one that's coming to me the closest is, um, uh, and I don't know why this is sticking out so hard, but it's Mary Meet, Mary Part, and Mary Meet Again. And it has this very hopeful vision for the future. That's how we end our circles. Okay. Is to say, we've come happily, we leave happily, and we look forward to meeting again. That there's an optimism, I think, in, in, in having the ability to create uh spiritual and um, God and goddess story and um, whole year long stories that involve growing and dying, the light and the dark, uh, that has a very balancing effect on people. And um, I think that's maybe the, the, the image that I would like to leave with listeners is that um, you can create a tradition in a lot of ways that makes sense to you. You can create rituals uh, that bring into harmony a lot of the the different teachings that are powerful to you and realities that you see in nature and come up with a story that that is yours and that is the entire story of life also. Wow. How lucky that there was a community out here on Nantucket. No kidding. Nantucket's a different beast, isn't it? Yeah, it is, bro. What are your impressions of it? Like... If I had money, I'd live out here. But <laughs> you know, I don't, well, I don't know. You're driving. You're doing pretty well as a truck driver. It's, yeah, I do all right. That's that's. I that's, couldn't. Uh, but you physically, you don't think? He, no, I can't do it anymore. What were the other injuries? No, it's by tore this bicep. Oh my god! I tore Jesus, the, the tricep on the same arm. Oh. 
<laughs> Dude, you can see it. Yeah. So well, how did you do that one? I was at Fog Island, and the weather was bad, and we didn't get here till like five o'clock. Me and another guy were on the same truck together, and I went down the ramp, and a fifty-pound bag of onions fell off the two-wheeler, and I grabbed my fingers in it, and I threw it up on top, and it snapped right when I threw it up on top. <sighs> See, this is what I mean. You paid the, the dues that you paid this job physically, you know, a knee, a torn bicep, which uh, is pretty excruciating, right? The pain, the rehab Just initially. For that. No, they didn't do anything for it because it's still connected. It still works. It's just that part's... It moved. Yeah, it just. <laughs> I guess it's supposed to connect in two spots. Like, you're supposed to be connected, like, there and down and underneath, and just the top part broke. So they really like, don't worry about it. Do your friends have any idea how... Part of job this is the ones that work for Cisco. On two occasions, someone snoring very loudly Ooh, while I was singing at matinees <laughs> at the opera. <laughs> no, it was actually awesome. A loud maybe snore. that was like a one rare moment that I had fun. You heard him snoring. Oh yeah, it was so loud. Did it, it make was... you want to sing louder? No, there wasn't really time to make a judgment call like that. It was just like, I just kept singing, but I kind of couldn't believe it. And then, you know, it was definitely like a matinee mimosa situation. And it was, it was a big, huge, old <laughs> uvula, you know, just dragging. Uh, sleep at me, a guy like, <laughs> totally, totally waking himself his up wife, from his snores. And of course, the next thing that happened was his wife elbowed him. There's sugar that's being consumed by yeast and a little bit of lactobac- lactobacillus which is good for our bodies, as we know. Yeah. Um, and that is finished in the washback. It, it's then distilled, and what goes into the barrel doesn't have any of that activity. It's more uh, oxidation reactions. Um, there are esters being formed, uh, combined with alcohols, and esterification of alcohols, and there's uh, phenolics and tannins and stuff being extracted from wood, and um, those are being oxidized further by time in the barrel. Those things are still being unlocked. The mysteries of those things are still being understood by the industry. And I, I delve in sometimes and I get lost in the chemistry and just sort of eyes glaze. And roll, Is it your contention that it's head. almost better to, to, to maybe not worry so much about that and just... For now, for me, definitely. I know my limitations. Chemistry is definitely a, a, a threshold that I, I have a hard time stepping over. So I just try to focus on what works, what I think is good, and, and utilize those, those things the best I can. I think the idea with Audio Architects and the parties was to have a party, but then bring in these acts to Nantucket that we loved and we wanted Nantucket to see. And then kind of get a name for ourselves as being we were like part of the scene, more or less. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted Nantucket to be a stop-off. Like they go to Chicago, New York, Miami, Boston, Nantucket, Europe. I wanted to be part of. The if they're circuit. doing Miami and they're doing all these like luxury areas, it why would not make, here? Why not Nantucket? Yeah, we're just as big as anywhere of those places I just said. So, and I wanted to be the one facilitating that. But I wanted to be the guy. I wasn't thinking more. I want to be DJ, so and so. I was more inclined to being like behind a promoter, the, promoter behind the scenes, making that stuff happen. <sighs> Promoter's a tough business, man. It's brutal. 
Promoter is stressful. a tough fucking business. I, I said the other day, wow. like, it'd be nice to just go to a party that's not mine. Totally. <laughs> and, I, and I don't relax. think people understand that. The, the promoter, you have so much on the line. Talk about putting yourself on the line. Big time. Financially. It's the stress of it and promoting like, hey, on Facebook, hey, go to my party every day. You know how hard that is for me to do? But I do it because I have to. But it's not easy to put yourself out there for criticism and ridicule and people mocking you or like, or just, what a loser. Or, or, or just like bringing these guys out here. What if the party sucked? Big time. And they're like, dude, I just brought this guy out here. And he's I like, know. Dude, this guy, Pete, what a chump. What a loser. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. I think you're doing a really cool it's, thing for Nantucket. I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, there's... Every year has gotten better. I was just telling my girlfriend, Jesse, that as I left, like, you know, sort of talking about what's, what's going to happen next year, but I was like, I'm not really sure, but it's going to be better. Every year has gotten bigger and better. Big, every year has gotten bigger and better. So wherever that takes us, I don't know. The lymph system was first identified in the 17th century during autopsies by grave robbers. They would notice these little tiny microscopic getting bigger, bigger, bigger. They call them the silent waves of, um, uh, I wonder what they do, was the query back in the 17th century. That's how they got bodies to practice anatomy on. They did, they robbed pauper graves. Wow, in England? Everywhere. 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 That's how anatomists got to open people up and look to see yeah, what the I body never, was never made out of. I never thought about yeah. how they actually started doing that until now. It's pretty interesting. Kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't know. It's very cool. Yeah, they A little dark. Graves. How did they start? You know, how did they first learn to do that? Right. Someone had to cut that first body open. Exactly. Right. So um, in the 1930s, Fast forward from the 1700s when it was first identified, but nobody really knew what it was doing. And this is, of course, prior to, you know, Madame Curie and x-rays and then CAT scans and what have you. So there was a physician um, and his wife was a massage therapist in um, uh, Central Europe. His name was uh, Dr. Vodder. V-O-D-D-E-R, Emil Vodder. And so Dr. Vodder studied lymph anatomy uh, and on doing autopsies on patients. And then he uh, helped a surgeon in Germany work on... um, uh, alongside them during the operating theater... You know, if you've seen that TV show um, that stars Clive Owen, it's either on FX. It takes place at the turn of the century in New York in a oh, hospital. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Not, is it not called Brooklyn, no? It's, no. It, anyway, the surgeries back then, you know, they were very brutal looking. You know, and then they... Surgery is still brutal. I've had... <laughs> I've had now four surgeries. They're just, I'm convinced, I'd love to know your opinion, I'm convinced that the amount of anesthesia that I've had has had an effect on me. I I noticed that memory, my my ADD is much worse. Mm -hmm. After this last surgery that I had, when when I had um, my thyroid removed, I was under anesthesia for about six and a half hours, which is a pretty long, and I'm convinced that that had some sort of effect on me. Do you know if that's true? It, uh, 
It's the riskiest thing about having an operation is receiving the anesthesia. That was Susan Witte, episode 30. Uh, how are you guys doing so far? You digging this? Pretty cool to go back and listen to all the various personalities. <clears throat> you know, it's funny when they're all smashed together like that. Uh, I've gone back through already and just listened to it. And it is kind of cool because you really get a sense of the, uh, the dynamic of the people out here, which is why we're doing the podcast. And... Uh, Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, this next one coming up was episode 33, and I just wanted to give it a quick intro because I do want to do more podcasts like this one. I called it Chef Shop, and we had three chefs sit down. It was Liam Mackey from Nautilus, Mayumi Hitori from Straight Wharf, Scott Osif from The Galley, and uh, I had this idea that it'd be really cool to sit down with chefs and just kind of listen to them talk about the, uh, the occupation out here on the island. Some of the uh, some of the trials and tribulations of uh, chefs, you know. And we sat down, drank some bourbon, and uh, got into the chef life on Nantucket. And uh, I'm really proud of this episode in particular because it was uh, unique and different, and uh, kind of an example of what I'm trying to do with the podcast: is bring you guys cool, different, interesting topics, interesting people sitting down talking about stuff, and. Uh, I thought, I thought it was really great. So uh, we're going to close out this episode with uh, the chef shop. Uh, not the full one. I just give you a little sound bite of, uh, I forget what, what I have queued up here. Let's see, these are the little things, folks, that'll get better. I have uh, Liam talking about, uh, I think, oh, yes, it was Liam talking in, about uh, the community of chefs. So enough of me yapping. Hope you guys are into it. Let's do... Uh, Close it out with a chef shop, and then uh, we'll get you guys out of here. Out here, I think probably for all of us, if, 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 if not anything else, which we have a lot of things in common, but if not anything else, we've all restaffed kitchens numerous times. I mean, my last job, it was like, I felt like, you know, we would open for Daffy, and then we'd close for two weeks, and then we'd open reopen again. By the time I was done 10 years there, I was like, I opened this restaurant 20 times. <laughs> uh-huh. Which when I opened this restaurant, because of like health inspections and, and food not showing up when it was supposed to, like we did it in three days. And it, people, you know, I was shocked that we were able to do it, but I had an awesome team to do it. And then at the end of it, I was like, well, I'm not really that shocked because I've done it so many times, which is something Nantucket cooks and these chefs at this table all have something that most mainland cooks and chefs don't have. And it's that ability to go basically from zero to like open. Zero to 100 in, in a day. Yeah. yeah, and it's like... And we also have the benefit of the fact that, you know, we really pommel cook. I mean, like, we really form cooks. You know, other places have, you know, slow weeknights. Then they have the busy Friday, Saturday night, maybe busy Thursday through Friday, you know, Saturday night, something along those lines. We have Saturday night business, what, seven 4th of July? Week. Yeah, seven yeah. days a week from 4th of July through Labor Day, at least. Yeah, uh, Eight, and, 70 to 100 days. Yeah. Right, it's insane. And so in that, I mean, we we really create some really fantastic cooks. You know, I've gotten some people that needed a lot of coaching, a lot of shaping. And by the end of it, they're amazing. Which is amazing to me because you look at like uh, Memorial Day weekend or is it late? Which, uh, Memorial Day is the first one, right? Yeah. Memorial yeah. Day. <laughs> A.K. Sorry, Fugawi. It's the, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the bourbon. So oh, Fugawi weekend. Yeah. So you're at the peak of that. If you have a guy that's not working out or you have or you have someone, sorry, you have someone that's working out for the first month and then all of a sudden he just drops the ball for whatever reason and then you're stuck you have to what do you do you're not in mainly you know you have a limited pool of people right so what do you guys do 
That's I, one of the, I'd say that's one of the biggest yeah. challenges. Yeah. Is if you lose that guy that you invested in and you are hitting the peak season, whoo boy, that's not that's not a fun like thing. Like everyone has someone who's the man. That's my man right there. Right. Floyd Floyd is the man. He's yeah. my save guy. Like if I have a problem, he's the man. Yeah. But like you know, in Nantucket it's a little different, right? Yeah, I mean, if anything, I think it's taught me quite a bit of patience as a chef. Um, you don't have the flexibility of just replacing someone on the drop of a hat. You know, there's the housing situation. It's also where we are. You've also invested X amount of time to get someone to a certain spot. So you have no choice but to make sure that you try to extract as much out of that person. And it makes you better. I think it makes you a better chef. It makes you a better manager. It makes you... A kinder person, I think, a, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, really, when it comes, I'm still listen. working on that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's stop. We should. <laughs> no, but really, just I think that. Are you, who's it, the asshole was, chef here? <laughs> I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> Scott's like, whoa. Sure, it exists in all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kind of have to be if you're leading the, the ship, right, right? That's just. Oh, you have to be at some point. You have at to have the ability point. to. Be, you don't want to be. I, it takes a lot, I think, to. To, at least for me, I've grown to the point where uh, I agree 100%. It makes you ideally a nicer person, but you know you have those select individuals who really, really, really pull that asshole out of you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know they make you <laughs> make right. it intense. Yeah, I'm sure. And it man. feels really good because you've been you've been holding it for a while. <laughs> you know, been so three patient. days or three weeks. And, and well, that's that's kind of what I was getting unleash. at. Like the amount of pressure I think that the the, the chef, a Nantucket chef. Everyone out, every chef out here is under is is intense, you know. And so I think it'd be interesting to like. It's a big commitment, like going through the hiring process before the season start, starts to, you know, get someone to come to this island to find them housing, to hope that they're able to do a job, based on paperwork and calling calling references. Which sometimes those references are just trying to get rid of people. Oh so, boy, you know, yeah. you know, it doesn't just because <laughs> it says someone a person over the phone who you've never met you've never looked eye to eye, says nice words about another person, doesn't mean that that person is talented or a good person in general. Yeah, you definitely Ideally, don't get the benefit are. of the stage. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys like, how do you find people? Word of mouth, for sure. I mean, I think, I, I know it goes for Miami and both, Scott, that it's like people they've worked with, they've, they've, they've touched in the past, you know, they, you can kind of like, you know, I mean, this year... Personally, I've got an intern that was at the last restaurant I was at, and we worked together, and he was very green at the time, and now he's gone out and done three years, and he, you know, I, those are the first people I call when I have a hole in my staff is people on that I know. Before I put an ad up, it's like, hey, what's going on? You want to do another summer on Nantucket? Maybe even a summer and a winter, whatever it happens to be. So you kind of go through that Rolodex of, of, of the skilled guys that were, that are kind of your standbys, you know, that you almost can always rely on, that they'll come out and busted out for a season while they're in between things or whatever. I mean, I know both of you guys have had like full on chefs helping you out because it was, you know, they were in between things, you know what I mean? So that's, that's awesome. I mean, Nantucket, that, that is one thing Nantucket has for it. It's like once people come out here and they experience it, if they get it in their blood, you know, you can, you can get your hooks back into them pretty easy and drag them back to the island for a season too. You How know? do you get it in their blood? It's not, you know, it either happens or it doesn't. It got in your blood though, right? I mean, you're, Six years out here or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mine was different. Mine was music and <clears throat> family related. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it definitely does. It's, there's a reason that I ended up coming back, you know. But it's, it does. There's something about the island that doesn't. There's an awesome community here. I will say yeah. that. Mm -hmm. 
And I think in the off season you really see it. Yeah, so and we many. got our, like micro communities within the community. I mean, the the micro chef community of people that are shooting the shit after service. I mean, that's you know, I mean, I'm, I just feel fortunate to be part of it. You know, that there's some super talented and just like super cool people that are in the industry that do the exact same thing that I do. You know, we we both work with food, and I'm like, this is so cool. Train on, I don't see about yet it's real. Go tell my two love, but can't roll the wheel. I can't roll the wheel, but I can't roll the wheel. And there you have it, folks. That's it. 2016. Again, thanks to everyone that's uh, taken the time to come and sit down on Inside the Whale. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for the click. I hope 2016 was a good year for you. Looking forward to 2017. I'm glad you guys are all on board on this journey with me. I love it. Let's do it together. Got a lot of exciting guests coming up in 2017. So looking forward to bringing that to you. That being said, have a great New Year's. Stay safe. Stay positive. Enjoy the new year. We'll see you in 2017. That's it. Thanks for the click. Inside the Whale, over and out. Straight on, I don't say not yet it's real. Go tell my true love, happy I do feel. Thought he had his blow off, I thought he had his blow off. Rain on, I learned to not yet his blow. Go tell my true love, Lord, I can't go. Lord, I can't go. Blow love, blow, yeah, blow.